Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website at sumatisparks.com. And when you request the quiz, you'll be automatically added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events and to receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So today, I'm so excited to have as my guest, Tanya Todd. Tanya is an actress, author, and the host of the 52 Love podcast. Her involvement in the literary, theater, and filmmaking communities provides a platform to champion marginalized artists and contribute to an environment that embraces a variety of voices. With a cast of characters as diverse as her careers, her fiction explores the infinite hues of what drives us all, relationships and desires. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Hi, and thank you for having me. So great to have you. Very interesting person. I'm really excited to get to know you a little better. Um, Tell me about how all these things came together for you, being an actress and a writer and also your 52 Love podcast. How did all that come together for you, and how did you grow up to be this unique combination of things? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it started with a dream, a literal dream, which woke me in the middle of the night and kept eating at me. So I thought, all right, I'll write it down because it won't stop bothering me. I didn't think of myself as a writer But I kept writing it and writing it, and it was actually about existing characters, comic book characters. So I thought that it was some kind of fan fiction. So I figured, all right, until it stops bothering me. And eventually, I kept getting these ideas about these characters that quite fit for the comic book universe. So Mm -hmm. I wrote them on the side because they were cool and interesting to me, but it wasn't these characters. And I kept writing the side thing. And eventually that side story took over and I had written over 200,000 words for these characters that, you know, had prototypes in the comic book universe that they were their own people. There are no superpowers or anything like that. They just happened to look like those characters. And, you know, I, I got the, the writing bug and I became a writer and I had a regular day job at that time didn't tell anyone that I was writing because, you know, when you start pursuing an art, you get the people who tell you all the reasons that you can't do it. And then you have the people who are just always asking how you're coming along. And when you're just getting started, you're not expecting to be an overnight success. But if you tell anybody what your plan is, you know, like I'm a writer or I'm a painter or any kind of art, people are like, so did you succeed yet? Mm-hmm. People who aren't in these industries, they don't get that. It takes time to, right. you know, develop your craft and to cultivate whatever it is you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anyone. And the book that I wrote, that I originally wrote, was about a woman who quit her office job and became an actress. And then about a year or so after I wrote it, like I, I was still in the revising phases. I hadn't shared it with people yet. My boss came to me and said, I am so sorry I can't pay you anymore. I'm going to have to lay you off because, you know, times are hard. We're not able to afford your position anymore. We're just getting rid of your position. 
but I think you'd be a really good actress and model, so I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine, and she's going to help get you started. And it was just wow. like, how you don't even know that I wrote this book, you know? <laughs> wow. Why would you think that that would interest me? But apparently it did, and I, my life manifested into that. Amazing. That was meant to be. I know a lot of people say it takes, you know, grit and perseverance and talent, but also a big stroke of luck here and there doesn't hurt. <laughs> but you have to listen to the universe sometimes. And uh-huh. the grit and perseverance means you are preparing to be ready when the universe calls you. That's exactly it. True, true, true. And then how did you come about to do a podcast about relationships? Well, when you start out as an author, they tell you that you need to build a platform. So one of my failed efforts was at at building a platform was to start a blog writing about things that I liked, things like movies mostly. But the truth is I prefer writing stories to sharing my opinions. I'm not really an editorial writer usually. Mm -hmm. So I blogged sporadically at best, which didn't exactly expand my notoriety, And as a New Year's resolution, I vowed to blog once a week. I decided, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to this project. I came up with a topic related to my stories, which is love, and I used the 52-week format to force my consistency, and Mm. it worked. It worked so much that people started requesting a book version of it. I pieced together a proposal, but I needed help because, you know, I had been focused on fiction, I knew how to query, but I didn't quite know how to write a proposal. So Mm -hmm. I contacted Amy Collins, and she is an industry expert I met through Las Vegas Writers Conference. She was delightful from the moment I met her, and I continued a relationship with her. I knew that she had recently transitioned into the world of agency. And instead of helping me with the proposal, she offered me representation. (laughs) Wow. So with her guidance and the advice of a podcaster, I know Mike Burton of Genuine Chit Chat and the nudging of my dear friends, the anti-thought ladies. I birthed the 52 Love podcast using the Very tips awesome. from the blog. Nice. Excellent. That's so exciting. So tell us a little bit about what is the 52 Love podcast. So 52 Love, the blog, was one intimacy tip per week. So I would just write a blog size post giving a suggestion for how to increase intimacy between committed people. Mm-hmm. And it could be something as sweet as hand-holding or something as racy as afternoon sex, you know. There's naked cuddling, there's going for a walk together, just little things that you do to increase intimacy within your relationship, to mm-hmm. actively work on it and to treat love as a verb. Mm-hmm. So the 52 Love podcast, since I already had the 52 topics, what I did is I invited a new guest each week to try the tip with their partner and then come on the show, tell us how it went, and then they could discuss whatever it was that they did, whether they're an author or an actor, a filmmaker, a painter, whatever their particular art was. They could promote themselves, but they could also show that all different types of people can use these tips, whether they are you know, very young and in new relationships, whether they have been in established relationships for years, it doesn't matter whether they are same gender, different gender, polyamorous, just all different types of people can use these tips to increase intimacy in their relationships. 
Hmm. And where did you get the ideas for the tips? Well, most of them I still tested myself. (laughs) 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 But a few, like Talking Dirty and the Couples Journal, those were inspired by people that I actually knew. The Mm -hmm. Talking Dirty one, I happened to hear of this couple. They were just saying naughty things to each other at a party. They were just talking about, like, just, you know, I can't wait till I get you home, girl, that kind of thing. It's like, you know what? That's kind of hot. I'm going to steal that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then the couple's journal, I... Sorry, go ahead. The the couple's journal was, um, I know a couple who does this. They they write in the same journal, and they communicate to each other things that maybe they have trouble talking about in person, but it ends up being a keepsake of the relationship. They've done it since before they lived together, and now they're married. Mm, nice. I like that. Well, no, just the, the prior tip that you said, it reminded me, I, I was just had somebody ask me last night, um, how do you um, rev up a woman whose libido has declined, particularly like a postmenopausal woman? And I gave mm-hmm. him my five tips for that. So if anybody wants to know what they are, you can you can uh, email me. My email address is on my website. But um, one of the tips was, um, you know, seduction and anticipation, like creating that anticipation of like I'm going to do such and such to you when I get home. <laughs> you know, I want yeah, to that's great. The scorecard can happen all day. <laughs> exactly, and it often starts after the last sex session ends like think of it as starting as soon as the last one ends <laughs> yeah love it. that's one of my favorite ones yeah that's great I love it cool um okay and then what who are some of your favorite couples from the series <laughs> that is kind of a loaded question huh <laughs> <laughs> oh they're going to be jealous if you name one well I don't have to name them I can I can uh answer without hurting anyone's feelings the first two who came to mind are dear friends of mine, so I'm sure I'm a bit biased, but uh, they're the voting couple and the love language couple, and the latter actually dressed alike for their episode. Like, they really got into it, so it just made me fall in love with them even more. Mm-hmm. And then there was the couple who read poetry to each other, and that episode actually brought tears to my eyes. It was just so Aww. sweet because they're not writers, this is not something that they ordinarily do, which was even better because, you know, if one of them is a writer and one of them isn't, then you're going to feel this pressure. But this was just them speaking from the heart, and it was just yeah. so touching. Mm. And I know that they're going strong. They just bought their first home together, so I'm very wow. excited for them. Beautiful. <laughs> so these tips really work. They're making relationships last. <laughs> and then there was the dancing couple. They were so beautifully mesmerizing. They're both gorgeous women, and they have these just seductive voices, and they're singers. So they went really, they just went all out with their tips, decorating for the, the occasion. Like, they did up their whole apartment, and they were just unbelievably entertaining. It was one of the most popular shows. Mm, wonderful. Um, does your podcast have video, too? Yes. It was released in audio on Spotify and the usual podcast places, but uh, my agent advised me that because I'm an actress, it would I would do well to put it on YouTube as well so that I make right. safe time with people. And so many of the people that I interviewed are also in the industry. It helps them uh-huh. too. Right. Perfect. I love it. Um, and when you were talking about the reading, writing poetry when they weren't poets, it reminded me of a boyfriend once who 
sang a love song to me on stage in front of a group at a retreat and he's not a singer. And so it was something extra, there was something extra sweet about his vulnerability to sing in front of an audience when you're not a singer, you know, like it was yeah, definitely. so vulnerable. Yeah. It was so great. <laughs> Cute. So that's, a, and I guess that's kind of like the writing poetry. You could also sing a love song to your sweetie. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Cool. And then what you mentioned some of the topics um, that you've done so far, but which one would you say is the most popular? Easily Naughty Nooners with Ashley Renard. Oh, what's that? Not, oh, Nooners. Okay. Yeah, it's, you know, afternoon delights with your uh-huh, partner. Uh-huh. Got it. So not only did the topic interest people, but the way she discussed it was like she was so candid. It it was refreshing. It didn't hurt that she has this sexy, mesmerizing voice to share her favorite position, which mm-hmm. she went into with great detail. And she wrote a memoir called Swing. She'd actually be an excellent guest for your show. Mm. But people loved her episode. It was the most popular one, both audio and visual. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, you know, so many people, especially in my age group, I'm now in the over 60 club, um, they really enjoy being sexy earlier in the day because we just get tired at night. <laughs> I want to go to yeah, bed that at was nine, exactly you know? it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had asked her to do this episode because I knew that she was very comfortable talking about her sex life, and you know I wanted it to be someone who wouldn't be too embarrassed to share this publicly. But it turns mm-hmm. out that is her favorite time of day to have sex. Because uh-huh. in the morning, you're busy, you're groggy, and in the evening, uh-huh. you're too tired. You're like, you're just done. Mm-hmm. You just want to go to sleep. But in the afternoon, right. you can be present. You can be, and, and you can plan it. You can have your kids do something else. And you can just enjoy yourself while you're awake, and you don't have something else that you need to do. Right. Or another thing I like to do is if I'm going to go out to dinner, we'll have a quickie before dinner. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then go to dinner, and then if we still have energy, we'll have a longer session. <laughs> Right, but it, you know, you, you've already had that piece of it, and then you can, you know, continue that. Just like you were saying earlier, the foreplay begins as soon as the last session ends, and that right. can be part of your dinner. Exactly. <laughs> so that sounds like it was a pretty sexy episode. But were there any other more like even as sex positive as that one? Well, there was the fulfilling fantasies with oh. Deborah Gray. Mm. Both the naughty nooners and the fulfilling fantasies, they cover the importance of communication and consent mm-hmm. and discussing what it is that you like so that you and, and listening to your partner about what your partner likes. This way that mm-hmm. you are communicating and you are both getting what you want out of the relationship mm-hmm. and things like bringing up maybe fantasies that you might be a little embarrassed about it helps you to open up that line of communication so that you don't have to be embarrassed. You're both being vulnerable here. And just that, that line of vulnerability connects you and brings you closer together. And you don't have to be perfect when you're role playing, you know, you can just have fun with it. Her episode, she's talking about, you know, playing wolf and, you know, being different animals or dressing up like different things. It's just, I, I really enjoyed talking to her about that because she it turns out is a therapist in that area. So she really knew what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. I can also imagine, you know, 
someone saying I have a fantasy of having an open relationship or being a swinger or being polyamorous, but if their partner's not not down for that, or even they aren't down for it, they just wanted to stay in the fantasy realm, then they can yeah. role play or, you know, imagine it or, you know, go to a party and just don't touch anybody else. Or <laughs> like there's ways that they can right. play in the fantasy realm with that. And you can do that in your home or you could go out in the world and play these characters. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, it is really vulnerable to share what your fantasy is. I mean, there's been times that I've – it's. I'm probably – nothing shocks me anymore, but I can remember earlier in my life <laughs> really being afraid to share what my craziest fantasies were. And it's very, very vulnerable, so – I like that you said the vulnerability connects them because it's very true. I was just sharing with somebody how um, having and having threesomes, if you feel, if you ever have a moment of feeling jealous that you really have to stop the threesome, like stop what's happening and share mm-hmm. that and get the love and reassurance that you need because that vulnerability will actually make the threesome even hotter. Right. And it becomes making love, not just sex. Exactly, because what's the alternative is to just keep it inside and grin and bear it, and then the other two people find out later that you weren't happy, and then that, like, deletes the positive memory they had about it. (laughs) Exactly, and it becomes a resentful one for everyone. Yeah, yeah, so that vulnerability and that courage to just share what's real in the moment is true intimacy, and we don't learn that in in public schools. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't. Um, so what episodes surprised you the most? I think it was the one on surprise. Uh-huh. <laughs> there, there were definite surprises all over the place because I was delighted by how frequently the universe put me in front of the best guests for a given topic. So like with Ashley, I had no idea this was her favorite position. I just knew she would be comfortable talking about sex. But it turns out she is the best person to talk about afternoon sex. You know, and with the surprise person, she turned it into something so amazing that I'm sitting there learning from her. And that was the best experience is when you have people taking your tips and teaching you something about it, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be an authority on some things, but I always have something to learn And going through this podcast and not just making it me talking to the world about it, that was the best decision I made because of how much more enriching it was to have other perspectives on the show, teaching me, us learning from each other, and just getting all different points of view. It was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. So you got some of the ideas from your own relationships, but then did you also, did your own relationships become more enhanced from what you learn, what you've learned from doing the podcast. And for the advice that I was able to give other people, mm-hmm. like it, it was all the way around that first job that I used to have, or not my first job, but the, the job that I was telling you earlier that right. kind of led me into being an actress. Mm-hmm. That was just a boring office job, but I had a chair in that office that was called the therapy chair because people used to always come to me for advice. Mm-hmm. And they would tell me about their personal lives and I would listen. And, you know, that was kind of how I learned so much about relationships. It's like people are trusting me with this stuff. I better learn everything I can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I took it very seriously, even though I'm not getting paid for this in particular, but 
when people are trusting you with with their stories and with their vulnerability, you don't want to be like, ah, oh, sure, it'll pass. You want to be able to give them good advice so that their lives improve. And so mm-hmm. this kind, this sort of thing has happened throughout my life. It, that's probably the most extreme. It's been actually having a chair sitting in the office for that. But people do come to me for this kind of stuff. And, yes, it definitely taught me something about my own relationships. It taught me something that I could help other people. It was very rewarding. Hmm. Yeah, we do learn things from different jobs we had. I was a human resources manager, and I was always the one that people would come to to, you know, clear up conflicts between the employees. And Mm -hmm. now when I coach couples, it's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of the same thing as when I just listening to each person's story and trying to find a common ground and very similar. Yeah. So we, we have to draw from all the experiences in our life and you probably do that with your acting, right? You just have to draw from your life experiences or what you imagine would be your life experiences. Definitely. You haven't done it before. Yeah. I was just doing some ADR for a film I did years ago. And part of it was they needed me to redo some of the laughter that was recorded and I realized in the booth that it is so much harder to fake laughter than it is to fake tears because for oh. tears, you're drawing on a previous experience. You're drawing on something real to create those tears, whereas laughter, it's hard to just be amused, you know? It's hard right. to think of something funny that's going to make you laugh as much as you did at the time. But right. that sadness, that's deep-seated in you and that can you know you can have trouble not being able to stop crying if you have to do a scene over and over again it's like oh you have to go back rewind back to before you were crying it's like oh it's really hard to do that (laughs) because I'm really sad now right you think about a memory that still hurts inside and you can just go there but yeah yeah they have that thing called laughter yoga where people all just start laughing together and it gets really contagious (laughs) (laughs) have you heard about that laughter yoga no, I have not, but I can see how that would be very therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, they just sit in a room and they just start going, ha, 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 just like making the the diaphragmatic exercise, you know, and then it just gets contagious. And, you, and then once people really start laughing, everybody else really starts laughing, and then it creates the endorphins from the laughter, and people leave just feeling like all full of all these feel-good hormones. <laughs> Yeah, I bet that would be, like, it would be difficult to get started, but once you do, and those endorphins kick in, and you just probably keep going, and you're not able to stop, you know? Yeah, and then you laugh at the way other people are laughing, and because some people can't stop laughing, that makes you laugh. (laughs) I think we've all had that circumstance where we're supposed to not laugh in some theater class, but we can't can't stop ourselves from laughing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely guilty of that. That's awesome. Um, so did you have any um, polyamorous couples or any other kind of non-traditional relationship structure on your show? If you mean non-heterosexual, several. There were gay, lesbian, and bi guests throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And we did have a poly- polyamorous couple for cosplay week. My guests happened to be, they just happened to be polyamorous. And it was funny because they were asking, is it okay to mention that? Of course. I want, whatever you're comfortable mentioning, you know, I'm, I don't want you to have to hide anything. Be who you are. Say what you want. No censorship on this show. 
but they even incorporated that element into their intimacy tip. So they, as a couple, went on a date with a woman, and all three of them dressed up in cosplay. So it was really pretty special to see how they adapted it for their unique situation. And then one of them actually dressed up for the episode, too. So it was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) What kind of costumes did they wear? Oh, I think it was Disney costumes. I think Uh, one of them was Ariel, one was Ursula, and I don't remember what he was. I was so interested in the girls. (laughs) Uh That's awesome. I've never been into, even like Halloween, it just feels like a burden for me. Like, oh, I've got to find a costume. (laughs) I've just never (laughs) been the kind of person that finds that interesting and exciting. Uh, we actually have cosplay bars here in Las Vegas. Like it's really oh, fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, if somebody would bring me a costume, help me dress up, I didn't have to do it. I'd have fun wearing the costume, but it's just <laughs> finding it and creating it is not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I understand that. I love cosplay, but I am not good at putting the costume together. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I. I can't consider myself a true cosplayer because I don't make my costume. I wear a costume that I buy. Mm-hmm. Right. But I wear the hell out of it when I do. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just in Hawaii for a year and a half, and I came back to my apartment in California, and my closet was all full of my costumes because I didn't take them to Hawaii. So I was like, wow, I really do have a lot. Like, just collecting over the years, you know, little different things here and there that I pulled together for Halloween and stuff. Yeah. I guess I do have We should costumes. all have a costume closet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so how's it going with turning the 52 Love podcast into a book? Well, we don't have an offer yet, but we haven't exhausted all of our options. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was suggested by one of the guests, actually, is getting romance writers to pen stories using their existing characters and applying the tips within a short story. So a short story collection from established romance writers that deal with the 52 tips. And that is something that we are working on right now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, good luck. I, how, is there anything that, since you, you might have some people listening to this, is there any help that we can give you? Well, it's, Always wonderful to have people subscribe to the podcast, which they can do through YouTube, Spotify, or their usual podcast places. They can share their favorite episodes with friends and family. They can follow me on social media or subscribe to my newsletter through my website. The more presence I have, the bigger my platform. And with a nonfiction proposal, that's one of the biggest factors is how big is, how big are they in the marketplace? How big is their platform? And so those are the the best things that they can do. Or if they know someone who's in the publishing industry who would love this project, they can share it. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. We're speaking with Tanya Tanya Todd, who is the host of the 52 Love podcast, which has a tip every week about how to make relationships fun and wonderful and lasting. And Tanya is also an, an author and an actress. If you want to ask Tanya any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 657-383-1132, and you'll be automatically put on hold, and we'll get to, you, get to you when we have a break in our conversation. So feel free to call in in the next 10 minutes or so. Again, that number is 
1132. So, Tanya, I heard you did a film that deals with temporarily opening a relationship. What? Tell me about that. I did just wrap a film where the situation is that the woman was dissatisfied with her relationship, and I played that character. Oh. And rather than try to change her husband, she decides to end the relationship. But he loved her enough to say, hey, go out there and explore and see if you find what you're looking for temporarily. You know, like he's, he opened the relationship temporarily so mm-hmm. that she can explore and be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And she loved him enough to say, okay, but you have to do it too. Oh. <laughs> And so, you know, it doesn't work out as they both plan, but that's how you make movies. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I well, think yeah, it's a really interesting concept to what if your partner wasn't satisfied? Would you love them enough to say, hey, go explore, find what you need, just come home to me? Well, yeah, a lot of people do that. That is the premise of a lot of open relationships. Um, but it takes a really secure person. Most people are too insecure and have too many, too much core wounding around abandonment and not feeling worthy of, you know, love or not good enough or not sexy right. enough or not blank enough or fill in the blank. Um, and it just triggers that core wound and they go into such a place of trauma that they just can't, they can't manage it. And so when people come to me, they're usually, they thought open relation, open relating was going to be a, barrel of laughs and they were going to go out and have all this great sex but then they they find out they're super triggered and their core wounds and they're traumatized and they come to me and say right harder than we thought (laughs) and it is i mean because it's more than just going out and exploring there have to be there have to be boundaries that are respected you have to both understand what to expect and how to deal with conflicts as they arise as with everything it goes back to that communication and saying what it is that you want if you don't communicate clearly what you want how can you hold someone accountable for not fulfilling that if if you never communicated what it was that's exactly right i had a couple come to me recently who said we just want one session we just need help with our agreements we're totally fine otherwise um so we just want one 90-minute session to work on our agreements. So I had them fill out my intake form, which asks, like, what are you looking for? What's your ideal relationship scenario? So I can get a sense before I talk to them. And they were both all over the place. They didn't know if they wanted to live with somebody or they wanted to be solo polyamorous or they wanted a triad. They, they just said, didn't know. So I thought, well, I can't really help them with their agreements if they don't know what they want, right? <laughs> what are you going to agree right. to? So I'm just going to teach them like a communication method so that they can roll with whatever comes up if their communication is solid. And they said, um, oh, we're, we already know how to communicate really well. We don't really need that. And I was like, okay, well, how can I support you then? And so as they continued <laughs> to talk, I realized that they really did not know how to ask what they wanted. And I kept inviting them to do that. And finally they said, oh yeah, I guess we do need to learn communication. Because <laughs> it was all about like asking for what you want, you know, and the fear of doing that and the fear of what your partner, how your partner is going to respond. Not only can you speak your truth, but are you someone who can hear your partner's truth? Like we were talking about with the fantasies. Like can't, are you a terrible yeah. person? Are you a safe person that your partner can say anything to without you melting down so they're afraid to ever tell you again, you know? 
Exactly. That you have to establish that safe zone and you have to adhere to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, asking for what you want is such an important tool. And I should probably mention that the movie kind of married like so that my, so my director doesn't hate me. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again? I feel I should probably mention the name of the movie is Kind of oh, yeah, Married Like. I still, I, I kept talking over you. Say it one more time. Kind of Married Like. Kind of Married Like. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Kind of Married Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, and I was on a, another woman's podcast who, she doesn't work with non-monogamous folks, but she works with married people who their romantic relationship has ended or they want to, you know, they want to end their relationship, but they have kids and they have a home and they, you know, it started out with somebody who couldn't afford to move. It was like during the, the, you know, housing crash 12 years ago or 15 years ago, whenever that was. And so she yeah. started helping, helping them create the, um, like just a co-parenting kind of relationship where they could still live together and keep their family together, but not be in a romantic relationship. And it just really took off. And she has this thriving practice now, just helping monogamous couples with how to untangle the enmeshment of a romantic relationship and still be good parents to kids and, you know, maybe build a add on to your house so that somebody has a separate room or whatever, but I came on there to talk about well, what if one of them wants to start dating someone else, what, what's going to happen then? So even though they didn't want to be polyamorous, they could still use some of the tools of polyamorous people to yeah. manage their jealousy and, you know, communicate about it and stuff like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So she, she ended up having a thri- thriving practice just around helping that kind of thing. <laughs> a lot of people that don't know how to disentangle a relationship and often the kids have to go back and forth from house to house. So it's, it's much better for the kids if they stay together, but people often get right. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Um, Okay. Well, what else would you like to tell our um, listeners before we close Tanya? Well, in July, there's something called Romance Slam Jam, the RSJ convention. Mm-hmm. And I am going to be moderating a a panel on taboo topics in romance. So we are going mm. to tackle some of the things that people don't generally like to consider, po- you know, I wouldn't say positive. It's just there are taboo topics like polyamorous relationships or maybe hero and villain relationships. Like there are so many different things that you could do. What if, what if the person in the, what if one of the characters isn't really a good person in the romance or what if they want to explore things that most, most society doesn't accept. We're going to explore those topics on a panel. It's called welcome to the dark side, which is kind of misleading because it has nothing to do with star Wars, but that's okay. I have my star destroyers in the background for that. <laughs> and is this in Las Vegas? No, it's an online conference. It's going to be virtual. Oh. So I will, I will be doing it here from Las Vegas, but you know, you can be anywhere in the world for that, but mm. it might appeal to some of your listeners just because of the topics. And then if you are a writer and 
you are interested in romance or anything along those lines, Crown Media is actually acquiring for their Hallmark line during that conference. So that's kind of exciting. Cool. Yeah, that's sounds then really I'm going to look into that. I'm taking a class for a group called Lounge Writers in July, on July 22nd, and that class is about diversity and inclusion practices for creative writers. Mm-hmm. That's more about writing about people who are different from yourself, mm-hmm. whether you're writing about someone with a disability when you don't have one, you're writing about someone of different sexuality, different race, all of the ways that or someone with a different gender. I'm not one who subscribes to only writing about yourself because I, that's not the way the world is. Then we're mm-hmm. going to have a bunch of books with the exact same character as everyone in the story, and that's kind of dull. I think we need to learn how to write about people who are different from us with empathy and understanding. And that includes people who don't maybe believe the way you do. You still need mm-hmm. to treat them respectfully as, as individuals, whether they're characters or people in re- real life. So I'm going to be teaching how to do that. Awesome. It makes me think of the book, um, was it Diary of a Geisha or Autobiography of a Geisha? Memoir of a Geisha. Memoir of a Geisha, yeah. That was written by a man. And I kept I kept put, closing the book and looking at the author three or four times like, is this really a man? <laughs> because the way you get <laughs> into a woman's mind just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. So that that's that was a masterpiece with of somebody writing about it, the opposite gender, which means he's probably very open to listening and he employs empathy in his surroundings. It's mm-hmm. definitely possible to write about someone different from you and to do it well, but you have mm-hmm. to be open to to hearing their perspectives. You have to submerse yourself in their world. You can't just say, "I knew this one person who identifies like this and that's how all people are like that, you know. I <laughs> know mm-hmm. you need to you need to explore it more deeply than that. Right. Cool. So and then some of the more fun stuff that I'm doing is that you can catch me on Comics in Motion, discussing the Kenobi series and the Ms. Marvel series. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch that. I keep hearing about the Ms. Marvel series. Well, it hasn't come out yet. It starts tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's been some buzz then because I've heard people talking about it. Yes. I'm That's hearing awesome. good buzz, but I try to stay away from spoilers. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know what we're going to be dealing with yet, but I will be on the first episode of Comics in Motion discussing the series. Sweet. Good for you. Okay, and remind us again how we can get in touch with you if anybody wants to reach you. I am across social media at Ms. Tanya Todd. That's M-S-T-O-N-Y-A-T-O-D-D. My website is MsTanyaTodd.com. If you're interested in my film projects, you can watch me on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast is the 52 Love Podcast, which is available on YouTube, Spotify, and the other usual podcast places. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you're a very interesting person, Tanya. Really great speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I wish you the best of luck with all your projects. And I'm definitely going to look up your um, your podcast on YouTube so I can see some of the visuals of these people that you've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yes, and you should definitely have Ashley on your show. I think she'd be a great addition. She was the one on the surprise of the Smithies. No, the, the Naughty Nooners. Oh, the Naughty Nooners. That's right. Got it. Okay, I will definitely get that contact information from you. Okay, thank you, Tanya. Okay, awesome, thanks. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so our next episode will be June 21st. It's always a Tuesday at 5.30 Pacific time, and my guest will be Brett Chamberlain. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Brett because he has started an organization called OPEN, and that's an acronym for Open Relationships, Polyamory and Ethical Non-Monogamy. And it's an, it's an organization that's going to work toward normalizing these types of relationships in our society. Um, there's still a lot of discrimination in housing, parenting, uh, jobs, and this organization will provide um, education, um, public awareness, and legal defense, and things like that for people who are in that population. So. I'm looking forward to talking to him and hearing about how that organization is going and how we can all help make it really awesome and strong. So please join us on the next episode, June 21st, Leading Edge Love Radio on blogtalkradio.com, Apple Podcasts, and also on my website, sumatsparks.com. All right, have a good evening, everyone. <laughs>